Right, we are founded on the word of God. That's what we long for, for you to hear from God this morning. The safest way we feel to do that is to get in a book of the Bible and to trudge through that thing so we aren't getting people's agendas, we're getting God's word. So that's why we've been working through the book of Luke. We are in Luke 9, which really is a big kind of hinge point. The book of Luke, the gospel, this is the life of Jesus, begins to shift here. Kind of post Luke 9, Jesus is making his way to the cross, securing our salvation by his death and resurrection on the cross. But as this time, like Jesus right now has been doing ministry, he's been teaching his disciples, teaching his apostles. But as he is gonna leave this world, we hold to an apostolic faith. It is hard to underestimate the importance of these 12 men, these apostles. As we study God's word, where do we get it from? them. Where did we hear about the faith? Well, Jesus taught them and entrusted them to teach others, entrusted them to write it down. That's what the Bible is. We hold to an apostolic faith built on the foundation of the apostles. And as you train somebody up, I've always been kind of fond of this model. How do you train somebody in something? I've always taught, hey, I do, we do, you do. You want to train somebody on something? Hey, let me show you how I do it. We do it together and then you go do it. That's what's happening as we are kind of shifting in Luke. Jesus, at this point, called his disciples. You know what the word disciple means? It's a learner. At this point, the disciples are basically just learners. They're taking it all in. Jesus is teaching them. He's teaching them his truth. He's teaching them how to do ministry. He's showing them how to minister to people. And now, Jesus is gonna begin to kind of let the disciples, the apostles, grab on the reins with him. We're kind of in that kind of we-do phase of Jesus's ministry as he's training these men up. Again, he's going to the cross. Jesus is gonna leave, and he needs these men to carry on the mission. So as we kind of shift into that at Luke 9, let's read this together. How about I read, you follow along. Let's not all read together. All right, Luke 9. And he called the 12 together, and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, When you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing. So this is the disciples getting their first taste of doing God's work as Jesus commissions them and sends them out. I love this picture and I love even kind of the names and you start to see a little bit of a name shift. So disciple is learner, and he calls out these 12 men. In Luke 6, he names them apostles. Here in Luke 9, we see the apostles becoming apostles. You know what that word means, apostle? It means sent one. So Jesus sends them out. They're the ones that are gonna be Jesus' ambassadors. They're the ones that Jesus sends out to carry on his message. So they're going from learners to those that Jesus sends out. When he says that earlier in this passage and he sent them out, that's actually the same root word. You could say it this way. At this point, Jesus apostled the apostles. He sent out the sent ones. So we're seeing these men begin to kind of take the reins. 
He sends them out on a mission trip. And now let's pick it up. We're going to drop down a couple of verses, kind of when they return from the mission trip. And on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day had began to wear away and the 12 came and said to him, let me stop there. I mean, it's a famous passage. We're gonna work our way into the feeding of the 5,000. Many people have said that, but we can kind of glance over it at times. And I kind of wanna break it up to kind of get you into the story a little bit. One, I love stopping there when it says the 12 came and said to him, like, it's just always going to be entertaining when the disciples come to coach up Jesus. Like, Jesus, let me help you out here a minute. Like, that's always going to be fun, whatever's next. But look at this. You've got to understand what's happening. So they just got back from a mission trip. Whoever, who's been on a mission trip? Raise your hand if you've ever been on a mission trip. All right, put your hands down. This is just after that. They return. They are on kind of the mission trip high. They're taking Jesus. I mean, they poured themselves out in ministry. Hey, let's go to a kind of a small fishing town so you can kind of get refreshed and recoup. And they're just on that mission trip high sharing and telling all that they had done. They're like, Jesus, it was unbelievable. This demon came at me like, what? And I was like, in Jesus' name, get down. And he fell and it was crazy. And it was like, for real, that same thing happened to me, yo. This dude was dead. And I was like, I don't know. We prayed and God got it. Like, they're just on that high. Like, what? No way, for real, because that snap. I was with this girl and she's bawling. I'm bawling like, he do love you. I love him. She came to Christ right there. And that's what they're doing. They're on that mission trip high and like, man, Jesus, is it's crazy. <laughs> That's what it was like. It was like that. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> so they withdraw and they're trying to kind of retreat a little bit. One of the disciples checks in on Facebook and Instagram and so somebody figures out where they are and so they follow them up to the town. And here are these men, clearly tired and hungry, and in the midst of that, as Jesus is training these men up, what does it look like to do ministry? Hey, in your tiredness, what does Jesus do? He welcomes them, and then he begins to minister to them. So now, pay attention. The day's beginning to wear away. What does that mean? Jesus, you know, was preaching at the 10 o'clock service, and it became 11 o'clock, became 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. The day is wearing away. I mean, Jesus is just preaching. Nobody has food to eat. I mean, what do they do? I love also that it says the 12 came to him. As in, like, no one person had the courage to go talk to him. Like, you know, they tried to talk Peter to go do it. Like, Peter, go tell him people is hungry. He's like, no, I'm not telling him. Last time he, I told him something, he said, get behind me, Satan. And you go. No, you go. Fine, we'll all go, we'll all go. So they all agree, like, and so all of them go. And they're gonna coach up Jesus, which is always entertaining. And let's see how this plays out. Hey, Jesus, we're gonna need you. Hey, send the crowd away to go in the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. But there were about 5,000 men. You can put yourself in this situation. Like, I'd love to just be there and picture them trying to, like, go to Jesus. Like, man, what do we do? I'm hungry. They're hungry. Like, um, 
hey, Jesus, the guys, uh, not me, them, the guys were talking, I don't know, but um, <laughs> I'd love it if you'd keep going. You are killing it, Jesus. I mean, this guy, right, is fire, wow. So Jesus, as much as I'd love you to go another two hours, um, the people seem hungry, so you might want to, you know, land the plane here. I mean, finish your last point, Jesus, because it's killer. But um, if you can wrap it up so we can let the people get dinner, that'd be great. I picture the way it went down, they probably tried to get out quick. Like, I picture Jesus saying the next part as they walk away, like, okay, cool, Jesus. And he's like, you feed them. And he's like, Man, I shouldn't have said nothing. I know I shouldn't have said something. Like, <laughs> what was that? It sounded like you told me to feed 5,000 men. Put yourself in their shoes. So we just had Christmas Eve services here. We were a little over, but just to round it off, you know, 1,500 people here to feed them cookies. We spent weeks loads of manpower and woman power, respect, you know what I'm saying? But the tons of people took weeks to provide cookies for 1,500 people. Jesus looked at them and said, not 1,500, there's 15,000. You have minutes and I want you to give them dinner. All right, it makes a little bit more sense, help me to be a little bit more compassionate as Jesus says, look again, he's kind of passing the reins. If you're gonna be my ambassador, if you're gonna work on my behalf, here's what it, it looks like. Here's what he is teaching them. I want you to feed them. And of course, you know, it's kind of in that we do phase. They're gonna call them disciples. They're still learning. Jesus is still helping them as they begin to teach their faith. But I want you to know, I mean, this, the faith that it would require, when it says 5,000 men, you've probably, I'm sure most of us have heard, oh, Jesus is feeding of the 5,000. That's actually quite inaccurate. Did Jesus feed 5,000 people today, this day? It said 5,000 men. Do you know how they counted people back in the day? They counted households. They counted just the head of the household. They just counted men. This doesn't include women and children. I mean, this is like 40 times the crowd that we have here that they're looking out at. I mean, I've heard it estimated, you know, as high as 25,000, 20, I mean, maybe 15,000. You gotta keep that in mind. And Jesus is saying, you feed them. As you go to do my work, here's what it looks like. And then kind of famously, I mean, this is, I don't know if you ever heard this. I mean, pay attention because outside of the resurrection, this is the only miracle. We have four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that tell the life of Jesus. He did loads of miracles. There's only one that's recorded in every single one. This one right here is Jesus is coaching them up. You need to know this if you're gonna do my work. Let's see what he does. And he, had, and he said to his disciples, had them sit down in groups of about 50 each, and they did so. And he had all of them sit down, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd, and they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. 
So Jesus is saying, hey, let me show you how to do this. A couple minor things that Jesus teaches us. One, I mean, that blessing. I mean, Jesus is modeling faith to them. As Jesus gives thanks for God's provision, what does he have? He just got two fish and five loaves. He's looking at that crowd of 15,000 like everybody else. And yet he is so confident in God's provision, he thanks God for the provision. When he's teaching them how to pray, like I wanna, as we pray before meals, like thank God, not to just bless the food to my body. You guys ever do that? Like I don't know what that means. Like Lord, bless this food to my body. Like it usually is like messed up, like Lord, let this red, red meat not clog thine arteries, just bless it to thy body, Father. This peanut butter buster parfait, Lord, let the calories be few as you bless it to thine body. <laughs> Father, please, like, I don't, I don't know what that means, but I pray all the time, bless it to our body. I, so what Jesus is doing is giving thanks to God for his provision. And you notice too, this is kind of a good Bible study. He breaks them up into groups of 50. And you know, sometimes we can over-spiritualize things of, oh, what does that mean? The 50 stands for the 50 angels and we can get off into weird places. Right, they, they just have to pass out food to 15,000 people. And you gotta organize ministry. You know, we just love to see the miraculous and don't do the, do the hard work of organization. Basically what I'm saying, if Jesus would make you register for events. So register for events. That was for you men and men's Bible studies. Breaks them up like, hey, we gotta organize this thing. Jesus is saying register for men's Bible study here. So I love this. I mean, I love this picture as Jesus sends out his disciples and saying, look, I'm gonna be leaving. You need to know how to do this stuff. What is he teaching them about ministry? And what is he teaching them about God and how they go about serving him? As I was preparing for this, I came across a great quote. It's a great quote by Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor may be one of the most famous missionaries of all time. He was an Englishman that went, took a six-month boat ride to China, founded China Inland Mission, and he just kind of radically revolutionized how people went about missions. I mean, this was a man of faith who understood some of these lessons that Jesus is teaching his disciples that I hope we learn as well. As Jesus is saying, look, this is your gig, what does he want to teach them? He needs them to know, here's the quote, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Look, as you go about and set out to do ministry this year, as he sent out the apostles, look, he's helping them understand, look, what is God's work? How do we do that in God's way? And then trust, we will not lack God's supply. Um, this is my outline because it's a perfect quote and I think it hits all the major points. So I want us to read that together, all right? Let's read it together. God's work done in God's way, will never lack God's supply. I want you to believe that this morning, and I wanna unpack that for you right now. What is God's work? God's work, what did he send them out to do? He sent them out and said, hey, proclaim the kingdom of God. And they went out and talked about the kingdom. They preached the gospel, it said. These things are in concert. I love that interplay between the kingdom and the gospel. I mean, God's kingdom is just his reign coming to this earth. How do you enter the kingdom of God? Accepting the gospel. So what is our job? It's to teach people the gospel. You need to understand, look, your job, if you wanna be a part of God's work, it is telling people about Jesus. 
When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus, who he was, what he's done, and how they can have a relationship with him? That was what God's work was. We think, and we've kind of watered it down to just be a nice, good guy. God's work is to preach the gospel. This word that he says, go, they proclaimed it. It's, a, it, it, it's the word that they were heralders, they heralded the news. I mean, it reminds me, the picture I get of the, you ever see those old time movies, the kids that would sell newspapers, the newsies? You know, they'd sit on the boxes like for, you know, when they had newspapers and all that. But so these kids would sit on these boxes like, extra, extra, read all about it. You know, Henry Ford releases the bottle T, extra, extra. Like, I'll take one of those papers. Like, oh, it's a buffalo nickel. Here you go. I don't know what a buffalo nickel is, but it sounds old timey. It sound, the story sounded better. You know what I'm talking about? You see that in movies? What were they doing? They were heralding the news. Hey, you know, letting you know, hey, you know, Henry Ford did this. That's what it is. It is to tell people about Jesus. That's what God's work is. We've bashed on a quote before that I will bash on again. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. That doesn't make sense. To preach is to use words. We cannot say preach the gospel always and just be a good guy. That is not what God's work is. It, to preach is to tell people with your, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> Ralph got that joke. But you get it. You can't just say, no, as a Christian, we just need to go love each other. God's work is to tell people about the gospel. To say preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words doesn't make sense. It's like me standing up here today and saying, yes, I'm an honorable Patriots fan. It doesn't work. The sentence breaks down. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can be honorable, you can be a Patriots fan. You can't be both. They don't make sense together. You get my point. Look, God's work. And we just want to be nice, good guys. You need to understand at some point, if you're not telling people about Jesus, what he's done. And we wanna do that well. And the reason that quote exists, because they're just Bible thumpers that missed an understanding how to go about God's work. And people rejected that because there's two parts of it. What did he send them out to do? Proclaim the gospel and heal. Three times it says it in this just little passage. Proclaim the gospel and heal hey, tell people about Jesus, but why don't you love them along the way? For some reason, this is like impossible for churches to do both of these together. Clearly God's work is both of these. People are in soul bodies, they're body and soul. We should minister to their soul with the gospel and we should love their needs in their bodies as well. You always see churches that's one or the other. You're either a truth church or we're a church that loves and we don't want to judge. And God's work has always been both. You know, we do trips. And if it's a trip where it's just loving people, helping people, and going doing good works, people sign up for that all, all the time. I have to get people to say no. We do another trip where we go about, you know, passing out the Bible and telling people the gospel. I've had to cancel those trips because I can't get enough people to go. We have a misunderstanding of what God's work is. It's not just loving people, and it's not just bashing people with the truth. 
I don't want to just be a truth church and somebody comes to me like, I'm hurting, I need a place to stay. I'm like, here's the book of John. And they're like, I need a job. And I'm like, well, take Revelation too. And Jesus loves you. And you know, but I don't want to be a church where, hey, we just love. That's our job. How can I love you and not tell you the most important thing in the world you need? Here's how I was thinking about it. The gospel is the nourishment that our souls need. What people need from you isn't a favor. What people need from you isn't to be a nice neighbor. They need the gospel. They need to know that God can forgive them, that they can have a relationship with Jesus forever. You know how you get them to want to hear that news? You love them. The earliest lesson I learned in ministry, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. That's just ministry 101. You want to share the gospel with your neighbor and you want him to know how much you know about the gospel. Look, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Jesus said, yes, tell them about this, but why don't you love them in such a way that they'll want to receive it? Heal them, meet their needs, help them in their desperation. Anybody get into Iron Chef? Anybody watch that show? There's, there's all kinds of cooking shows out there. There's always a couple categories. What is the first category always that they judge it on? It's not just food. What is it? Somebody say it. It's always on appearance. You always judge it on appearance. Don't you naturally do that when somebody gives you a plate? You're like, no, nah, that don't look good. I'm out. <laughs> you start with, man, that looks good. How it looks first will decide whether you consume it. The way you heal, the way you love, the way you reach out to your neighbors, the way you care for them with actual meeting their needs is like the way you plate a meal. It makes it appetizing. Do you make the gospel appetizing? Well, I don't have any opportunities to reach out to my neighbors. I'll guarantee you, your neighbors in a rough way, you pay his rent, I bet you have an opportunity to share the faith with him. Think about it. Think about this crowd, both elements. If you wanna just be a truth guy or just be a love guy, Jesus always did both. Now, remember, the day was wearing away. Jesus preaching, I don't know what, five-hour sermon, preaches through dinner. So moms, dads, picture this. There's kids in the crowd. You got a hungry kid who skipped dinner. You don't even have food for him. What keeps you here? Is it A, your kid's like, you know, your five-year-old looks at you, mom and dad, I know I'm hungry, but wow, this sermon, so good, right? So um, I need the truth right now. Um, I'm convicted, so why don't we just, you know, I'm five, but I'm cool. Let's just skip dinner, because I want to hear this last point. Maybe it went down like that, because you're, you know, that's what they need is the truth. Or do you think, mom's got a kid who's sick, Mom got a kid who's been to every doctor and can't get well. And mom is looking at her kid and her kid's saying, Mom, Dad, I'm hungry. Let's go eat like, sweetie, we have to stay. Because this guy's the only guy that can heal you. So we can't leave. So quiet, the sermon's going on. What do you think happened? But yet, we want people to just teach truth. We just want to drop tracks on people and run away. Yes, understand the primacy Teaching has to be central. Do people want to hear the gospel? Well, did you plate the gospel well? How do you do that? Do you love them in such a way to they're like, man, what's your, what's your deal? Why are you over here again? 
I was just talking to a man who's a, he's an Egyptian. He's a missionary in Egypt. And I said it, what, like, what does it? Like, what brings a Muslim to faith? And he said, it's unconditional love. He's like, I finally just love them in such a way that they're like, man, what, what's your deal? Why are you still here for me? I don't even like you, and you keep helping me. Why? Well, when I was God's enemy, God took me in. So you know what? He can do that for you too. Do you see that? That's God's work. You must, if you want to be about God's work, if you are not to the point where you ever tell people with your words about Jesus and how they can have a relationship with him. I heard people say that, you know, I was going on a mission trip, you know, and you could tell that it was real negative, like, oh, you're going down there to convert people? What's the answer? Yeesh. <laughs> yeah. Now, I wouldn't say it that way because it's, it's loaded with such baggage. But do I want people? Yeah. So there are people that are hurting and just in shame and hopelessness. And do I want to tell them about the one place where they can experience hope and healing? Yeah, I'm guilty of that. That's the work. Is that true of your life? And how do we go about doing that? God's work, what's the next part? I made you say it out loud. Somebody get it. God's work, God's way. All right, thank you. Give them a round of applause, everybody. Thank you. Good job, good job. Done in God's way. I'm gonna keep this point simple. Faith. You want to serve God, what will it require of you? Faith, trusting in God. When he sent the disciples out in the beginning, what did they take with them? Nothing. He sent them out to another city said, don't take any money, don't take spare clothes, don't take an extra staff, don't take a bag. Think of that. How did they feel heading into that city? <laughs> What's gonna happen? Next time you go on vacation, don't pack a bag, take your credit card, just leave them at home, and then just drive to that city. That's how they were feeling. What did that require of them? Faith. So many of you, when I'm talking about, man, I want you to be a part of what God's doing. My hope this morning is coming out of this, everybody heading into the new year or just your life in general. You kind of know there's something God calling you into. Maybe it's starting that Bible study at work. Maybe it's sharing, you know, Christ with your neighbor. Maybe it's just diving into men's study. There's something. But you know what holds you back? Fear. And God says, look, if you want to do work in my way, it's not about having it all together. It's like parenting. It's not like, well, I figured out how to parent. Now let's have a child. Wow, this is what I thought it would be. No, it's okay. I'm going to step into this and trust God's going to meet me along the way. Now, I'm not saying just stupidity. Don't dive into something you shouldn't dive into. But dive into something. If God's calling me to this, you know a good test? If you're operating in fear and not operating in faith, if, if you say to me, man, there, God's called me to this. And I say, well, are you doing that? Why or why not? If the next word out of your mouth is I, you're probably operating in faith and not in, you're probably operating fear, not in faith. Well, I don't know enough. I don't have enough. I don't, I don't know. The whole point of this ministry endeavor, guys, it's not about you. It's not about how much you have. It's not about getting it all together and then God using you because you're so impressive. 
They had just a couple of fish and loaves. I know you don't have much. I've met you. You're not that impressive. Like, I get it. It's just taking what you have and saying, here, Jesus, like, here's my fish. Here's my loaves. Do you do something with it? What is it? Do you feel like, man, God's calling me into this? If it is fear holding you back, you're not doing it in God's way. If you're waiting to get all your ducks in a row and you're waiting to get it all figured out before you take that step, you're not operating in faith. He sent them out with nothing. He doesn't do this every time, but look, look, as you set out, you need to understand this. What did he give them? Power and authority. Was it their power? No. The lesson he's teaching them out of the gates is, look, you need to understand as you set out, it's about me providing for you, not about you having it all figured out and then I use you. We don't do stuff for God. We do stuff with God. God does stuff through us. There's a great book called With. You think, oh, I can't do that for God. You shouldn't do that for God. Do that with God. That's the lesson. In God's way is done in faith. Trusting that God will move in power. I can't share my faith. You know what I heard? 90% of the time, I don't know what to say next. If they ask a question, I don't know what I'll say. Jesus says, I will give you the answer. It's not about you having all the answers. It's about trusting in God and his power. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God into salvation. As you step out in faith, don't step out timidly. Step out knowing God can move in and through you. Last point, you will never lack God's supply. Understand this. Do you remember after he provided for the 15,000 people, was it exactly enough food? No. There were baskets left over. As a parent who can't get my child to finish their meal, it helps me knowing even Jesus couldn't get his kids to finish their meal. That ministered to me. But part of what he's saying is, look, God will provide, and he said, it's not hard for me to provide. He provides abundantly. He gives them more than they need. Look, as you're setting out, whatever that is for you, I can't do that. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough. God can provide and does provide abundantly. Do not let this be a year where that thing stays on your list, that thing God's calling you into, because you don't think you have enough. Of course you don't. You have little. God has a lot. When you step out in faith, we tap into that account. God can and will provide. But one thing I want you to know about that, it's not always pretty. What happened? These are the apostles doing miracles, healing every person. Did everybody receive them? He told them, look, when people reject you, here's how to handle it. God doesn't promise you success in everything. These men weren't successful in all that they did. They got rejected from villages. They tried to go and it didn't go well. You ever try to minister somewhere and it didn't go the way you think? Raise your hand if you ever tried to go about ministry and it just blew up and didn't go the way you thought. Well, the rest of you are perfect at ministry. That's awesome, cool. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Then what happens to you? Oh, I'm such a failure. Did these men fail? No. The results are up to God. Your job is a step out in faith. Listen to me. Any step of faith is not a failure. When you step out in faith and obedience, it's not a failure no matter how it turns out. Because it's up to God to supply how he wants. 
And it doesn't always mean success. Maybe you've kind of, something didn't go your way and that's what God is using to steer you in another place. That's okay. Step out in faith. This doesn't mean just profit, that you get more than you think, that God's just gonna bless your business and you're gonna be rich. That's not what it's about. Think about this. Use your head for a second. So they went out to a village with nothing and they went and got rejected and were sent on to the next village. What they ate for dinner? Nothing. Where'd they sleep that night? They sleep outside. Now again, God didn't let them starve. God didn't, you know, God provided what they needed. But it wasn't pretty. And it's not always miraculous. Like sometimes I want God to provide. And so I'm like, you know, we're waiting for this miracle. Like when we did the more campaign, we didn't start with like two nickels and $5 bills and just like prayed and God like expanded them. No, people were faithful givers. What happened when they went out to the village? People just faithfully blessed them. Like God's provision generally comes from just the hands and feet of Christ, from other believers. And it's not always the way we think. It's not always pretty. But if you hear anything from me, I want you to know when you step out in faith, God will provide. Do you believe that? As you look ahead to this year, I hope you know it already. If not, I want you to pray about it and think, God, is there something you're calling me into? Is there a person, a relationship, a ministry that you want me to join to start? And you're gonna, you're gonna catch back in fear, I, I, I. I want you to step out in faith and say, okay, God, I don't have enough, but you do. And I want you to step into that. I want you to be like the apostles. Look, I've had those stories where I didn't know how it was gonna turn out and I've stepped out in faith and God just showed up in crazy ways. I want that for you this year. Don't let this be a year of fear for you. God's calling you that thing and you wait again, whether it be busyness, fear, or whatever, because you don't know how it'll go. Listen to me what Jesus needed them to know. When you step out in faith, God will provide. I have those stories. I want you to have those stories. Coming the next year, I want you to come back and talk about, man, I didn't know I was gonna turn out and I stepped out and God showed up. I wanna end with one last quote from Hudson Taylor. All God's giants have been weak men or women who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. It's not that you're this impressive person that you get it all together and then you do stuff for God. It's admitting, God, I don't have it. I'll trust you. Step out in faith in my weakness and then watch God show up. That's what I want for you. Will you pray with me? God, I do want that. God, I want that for all of us this year. God, I think of how the apostles would have felt looking out on that crowd. Jesus, we don't have enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. I'm tired. And all the reasons why we can't do it. Everybody in here, God, is filled with reasons. Filled with reasons why they can't jump into that Bible study, why they can't start that Bible study, why they don't have enough money, why they can't. God, would we learn the lesson you taught your disciples? God, that if we do your work, your way, you will provide. 
Let us not worry about all the provision you tell us. Seek first the kingdom, and these things will be added to you. God, would we be people that step out in faith, joining you on your mission, and watching you show up. In Jesus' name, amen.